0: Hello and welcome to The Fortunate Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm your host, JT, and I'll be your guide as we explore the human condition and the journey of life. Bon Bastille to my French listeners coming up to Bastille Day in France. I hope that you have a great holiday. I hope that you get to enjoy your national day. And I also wanted to say merci beaucoup pour votre soutien. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too much, but again, thank you so much for your support. I couldn't have got the numbers that I have without my listening audience in France. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. Aside from that, I hope that everyone is having a brilliant day, a great week, a good start to your weekend, wherever you are in the world. Hopefully the weather's not too bad. Hopefully you're getting to spend time with people that you love, doing things that you enjoy. It's, uh, it's winter here, so it's the same old, nice, cool, crisp. It keeps going in between uh, cool and clear and uh, cold and rainy. So, I mean, but it's winter. What can you expect? Soon enough, I'll be baking in the summer. And uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that uh, I'll have something to say about that as well. So aside from that, my friends, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, I also want to give my traditional shout outs to Harry and Lisa in North Carolina to Eddie and his family in California, to Chris and Max and his family in Illinois, to my friend uh, Jake in the Bay of Plenty and Sebastian, also in the Bay of Plenty here in New Zealand, and to all the people around the world who support the show. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Again, you know, thanks to everyone who takes the time to listen to me. It really means a lot. And just before the recording of this episode, uh, we've gone over 500 listens for the program. So so again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. I couldn't have done what I've done so far without you, the listeners, and you taking the time to listen to me each week. So again, thank you so much for being part of this. So on today's program, the, the main topic uh, I've decided uh, is a bit of an homage to the French audience, is that I'm just going to cover over some recipes. Some pretty simple recipes that I enjoy and things that you won't need to worry too much about measuring amounts and quantities. I'll give you a pretty rough figure and uh, a lot of these recipes are just down to taste. So you know I'll tell you you know as we go through You'll want to taste this, you'll want to taste that, just to get a little bit of an idea. Everyone's different, you know, some people like more black pepper, some people like more garlic, so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, I'll give you some indications, but I'm going to cover over a few recipes that I've really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, hopefully you'll try some of these and hopefully you'll like them. As always, if you've got any feedback or if you want me to cover anything in particular, if you have got some recipes that you'd like me to read out on the air, by all means, you know, send them through. You can email me at thefortunatesonpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram. You can find the program on Facebook. I've got a Facebook group, or you can go to the website, you know, you can go to www.theparanormalsun.com and you'll find the information on all the programs on there. So, you know, uh, don't, don't be afraid to reach out, folks. Aside from that, things are genuinely pretty, pretty well as far as things can go. Uh, I'll be having a bit of a day off. I'll be going uh, for a bit of a, a day day trip, a bit of a holiday, um, you know, just for a day to go and see a, a close friend of mine and a cormandle. So, yeah, um, I'll get out, get out uh, for the first time since, uh, you know, I lost my job in January. And since we've had this lockdown and everything else, just get out, go and do something different, get out of town for a day or so. So uh, before that, I just wanted to make sure that I had a program recorded and up for you to listen to. So if you'd like to support the program, support myself, support uh, this program, and also the Paranormal Sun, there are a few ways that you can do that. As I say, you know, you can go and show some support on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. You can go to the website and, uh, you know, you can make, make a donation if you feel like it. You can also go onto Patreon, you can support the program. And uh, another thing that you can do that is really helpful is just rate and review the the podcast on iTunes or other podcast services. You know, wherever you listen to the program, whether it's Spotify or something else, those are all ways that you can support the show. Because when people search for things like uh, this topic and the things that I cover, it helps uh, it, it helps the program get to the front of the queue with uh, the other. Shows you know so that people see it earlier in their search histories, and it is a really helpful tool. You know, don't think that that's something that doesn't help because it definitely does. It helps get the program discovered, and of course, if you like what I do, if you if you like the topics, if you enjoy what I cover over, then you know suggest it to other people as well. And again, uh, within reason, I'm always here uh, for suggestions. Uh, if there's something that you'd like, if you've got someone important that you'd like to give a shout out on the show, you know, happy birthday or something like that, or if you just got some good news to share, by all means, get a hold of me. Because, uh, you know, as you know, on the Fortunate Sun, we try to keep it positive. We try and th- keep things good and, uh, you know, keep that positivity rolling. So by all means, if you've got good news, share it with me. Positivity is contagious and it definitely, uh, definitely helps put the wind in my sails when I hear good, positive things going on. A couple of other shout-outs that I just forgot at the uh, at the outset, so I do apologize for doubling back to them, but, uh, you know, I want to make sure that my family in Montana knows how much they mean to me, and thank you again for supporting me. Uh, also to Scott on the Old 77 in Missouri, his podcast. Uh, thanks again, Scott, for your support. Uh, Adriana and Nico in Texas, thank you as always for your support, I really appreciate it. And uh, the Fidianga Tribe as well, thank you so much for your support. So uh, yeah folks, sorry about that. But uh, now that I've covered all that over, and that's pretty much the general show information out of the way for this episode. Now we'll move on to three reasons why the world doesn't suck today. For the, so for those of you who may be new to the program, I always try to cover over three positive stories in each episode uh, to try and give us something positive to think about this week and just something to you know again lighten our moods keep things positive so the first article here is from the good news network and this one is titled these edible straws harness nature to replace single-use plastic and help local farmers and this was published on july 3rd 2020. So it says harnessing raw nature to replace single use plastics. Equo straws has launched with 100% di- biodegradable and compostable straws using ma- natural materials sourced from local farming communities unveiled on May 18th on Kickstarter. They hit their funding goal within 30 days and intend to produce four flavors of eco-friendly straws through the company's innovative use of materials from nature. Tranvu which previously worked in brand management for consumer good companies like Unilever, LG, and Bacardi, was inspired to build a sustainable future for her nephew while working to support local economic growth and job creation in her parents' hometown in Vietnam. Traveling the world and seeing the massive amount of plastic in the forests, oceans, and beaches breaks my heart, she said. I really want future generations to have a chance at experiencing a better earth. Also, after returning to Vietnam, I wanted to create jobs for local farming communities and give them a steady income. The multicolored Straws product line includes four choices with unique characteristics. 1. Coconut straws. Made from fermented coconut water, offering a tropical twist on an everyday product and available in ivory white with a cool textured design. 2. Rice straws. Made from rice and tapioca starch and available in plant-based natural colors, including white, green, pink, blue, yellow. After use, these can be cooked down and are fully edible. 3. Dried grass straws. Made from naturally tube-shaped grass and available in green, also a natural chew tug-of-war toy for pets or crunch them if fidgety to get the same satisfaction of popping bubble wrap. 4. sugarcane straws made from sugar cane with a light sweet aroma, and available in a variety of sizes, including wide sizes for special specialty drinks slash bubble tea. Available in light brown, speckled, and washable for reuse within one day. It's well known that plastic straws are harmful for the environment, with most of the 500 million used every day in America. Wow, just think about that for a minute folks. 500 million in America alone every day. That's, uh, that's nearly two per person. That's insane. Ending up in oceans where they pollute water and kill marine life, said ECWO co-founder and managing director Marina Truvent Tranvu. Although there are some plastic and paper straw alternatives on the market, most are environmentally harmful through the carbon footprint they make in production and disposal. And we were also unsatisfied with the quality and durability of paper straws. In addition to the positive ecological impact, Tran Vu says they wanted to ensure Equo straws were competitively priced to give consumers an affordable alternative to environmentally harmful straws. Overall, we want to make sure if we offer an alt- alternative to paper and or plastic that it is realistic both in cost and supply, she said. We don't want cost to be the main reason why people can't select a better alternative. Pre orders on Kickstarter were priced at $21 for two packs of 50 straws each. So that's about two cents each. Is that right? Yeah, about two cents each. The name of the product was created by combining the words echo, meaning not harmful to the environment, and status quo, meaning an existing state or condition. So, echo stands for the ideal of creating functional products with minimal impact to the environment. She noted that for many people, using a straw is necessary. No one wants truck drivers to be tilting their heads back, for instance. Some people simply don't have a choice to not use straws because of medical reasons. And albeit as a more personal choice, some people use straws to keep their lipstick, makeup in place, or for dental reasons, she said. Whatever the reason, we want people to have the freedom of choice and more environmentally conscious options. Well, look, folks, um, you know, that's obviously a really good step in the right direction. And I tip my cap to uh, Mrs. Tran Vu that, you know, this is a win-win that she's created because, number one, she's creating something that removes plastic from the environment. And at the same time, she's helping, uh, you know, her parents' town in Vietnam and, you know, having jobs, you know, creating jobs there. Now, everyone's different. Um, I am not an echo warrior or anything along those lines, but... um, You know, as the saying goes, and I've seen this many times, uh, they would rather have, you know, five billion people doing small things than, you know, one million people doing everything perfectly. And this is around, you know, reducing our footprint on the world, waste and everything else. Now, me personally, I don't use straws and I haven't for quite a while. And a lot of it, to be honest, is just seeing things on Instagram, seeing different photos and that, seeing where these straws turn up. And I've never been the type of person that necessarily needs or even likes using a straw, maybe when I was a child, but you know, when I've been an adult, I just tend, if I do get a drink at a restaurant or something, I tend to just drink it out of the glass without a straw. So, you know, to each their own, but these types of steps are really helpful. And you know, it helps people have an alternative. I've seen bamboo straws and I've seen stainless steel straws, but you know, if you want something that's a bit more disposable and yet a lot more, you know, better for the environment, uh, then you know, uh, Marina Tranvu has has made an excellent um, addition, you know, to uh, to our choices. So thank you very much to her, and I tip my cap to her. Now, again, as always, folks, I'll have links in the show notes to these three articles. So the next one here is also from the Good News Network. And this one was published on July the 10th by Andy Corbley. And this one is titled, Scientists generate electrical field that can help help repair fractured bones. When it comes to broken bones, the children of Generation Z may never have to deal with the itching that comes from wearing a cast, an all too familiar scenario for both kids and adults healing from accidents. Instead, doctors may in the near future be able to repair broken bones by encasing the fracture in a field of electricity which would essentially, which would be especially welcome for treating body parts such as the skull where casts don't work. A group of biomedical engineers from the University of Connecticut have invented a scaffold of non-toxic polymer that also generates a controllable electrical field to encourage bone growth. The researchers published a paper in Nano Energy after using their device to cure skull fractures in mice. The scaffold mimics the natural electrical field produced by our bodies, a characteristic called piezoelectric, meaning to generate electricity from vibrations and can be affixed over the damaged bone without significant surgery. The patient can wave An ultrasound wand over the area to stimulate the generation of electricity, and unlike similar existing machines that are bulky and require electricity from a power outlet or batteries, the device is lightweight and generates the field via ultrasound. The polymer from which the device is made is non-toxic and gradually dissolves in the body over time, disappearing as the new bone grows. The electric field created by the piezoelectric PLLA scaffold seems to attract bone cells to the site of the fracture and promote stem cells to evolve into bone cells. This technology can possibly be combined with other factors to facilitate regeneration of other tissues, like cartilage, muscles, or nerves, says Ritopa Das, a graduate student at Nguyen Research Group and the first author of the published paper. The device's proof of efficiency is a case of leaping before looking, as scientists weren't exactly sure why electrical fields stimulate the bone growth at all. Bone itself is somewhat piezoelectric, generating a surface charge when the bone is stressed by everyday life cycles. That surface charge encourages more bone to grow, but scientists don't know whether it's because it helps cells stick to the surface of the bone or whether it makes the cells themselves more active. Well, look, folks, you know. We all know that the medical field is always growing, always something new going on, new technology coming online, new techniques, uh, new therapies for us. So again, this is an excellent, you know, piece of news. It's one less thing, you know, for us to try and struggle with when it comes to castanet. And especially, you know, think of children. Think of young children with uh, you know, maybe a skull fracture or you know some type of damage to their head and there are other areas as well you know I don't know how many of you out there have broken toes or fingers but generally unless you've broken your hand or broken your wrist when you break toes or fingers they tend to just splint them so imagine this instead you know you've got this um, you've got this polymer on your finger or on your toe and then you've got this wand that you wave over it so you know quite interesting uh, real fascinating read and as always again I'll have a link in the show notes So now I've got the third story here uh, from the Good News Network, and this one is also from July the 10th, and this one is titled, Superhero Brings Smiles to 100,000 Sick Children and Families, Healing Himself Since Mom Died of Cancer in 2009. Superpowers like x-ray vision, the strength of a locomotive, or the ability to fly may be uplifting in a Marvel movie, but what better skill could uplift a victim in the real world than bringing smiles to children who are desperately ill? That's how one man in a Spider-Man costume fulfills his mission at children's hospitals all across America, and with his visits to Alaska and Hawaii last September, he has now played that role in all 50 states. It's all part of the fun for Yuri Williams and his Long Beach, California nonprofit, A Future Superhero and Friends, which not only counts hospitals as its turf, but any underserved community. Yuri has organized blood drives, toy drives, and movie nights, all while donning superhero costumes and a heart of gold. They don't even call me by my real name anymore, it's just Spidey or Spider Man, the man behind the mask told Hawaii News Now. Yuri decided to conjure smiles for suffering children as a result of his own healing journey. The idea to be a hero for those in the frightening grip of a serious illness came about during his long bout of grief due to his mother's battle with cancer. He decided that the best way to deal with the sadness was service to others, and he has since touched the lives of tens of thousands of people. His surprise visits give the patients, who are sometimes in a dark place emotionally, the ability to be happy again and let down their guard. In addition to his inspiring work with children, Yuri also actively visits homeless camps to hand out food and clothing. He has started a fundraiser on Patreon to serve even more people by providing art programs and other services for the for the houseless, disabled, elderly, ill, children, veterans and anyone in need. In a powerful video on Facebook, Yuri describes the life changing emotions he experiences, no matter which costumes he dons. I live for this. When I have to do something the next day, I can't sleep because I'm just excited to be helping people. It's an adrenaline rush. And when, and when this cape crusader of hope sees the children perk up in their hospital beds, he knows he's done a good day's work. I feel like a real superhero. Well, Yuri, you are. And, uh, you know, that really hits home to me because, um, you know, as I mentioned on this program before, I lost my mom to cancer a few years ago, um, four years ago, in fact and you know it's it's never easy and it's something that stays with you a long time you know losing any family member and unfortunately in our family you know between me and my partner we've lost three very close family members in the last few years all to cancer so you know i really tip my cap to yuri he's went above and beyond he's not just you know said oh well i'll donate some money to cancer research or something but he's gone out and he's just decided that he wants to do something to really help these people so uh you know i really respect that man and i wish him nothing but the best and i really hope him success for his future you know that's just an amazing story and uh it's it's really amazing that he's done so much to help so many people so on today's episode folks i've got a basically a bonus segment of Three reasons why the world doesn't suck. So you're going to get a fourth article today. So lucky you. So this is a bit of an older article, but I still found it quite interesting. So this was published by So this is from Sukhara Tadke, and this is from Positive News. Uh, This was published on June the 2nd, 2020. So this one is titled, People are doing so much. The Facebook group helping vulnerable people in India. Caremongers India, which was launched at the start of the lockdown, has helped connect volunteers with the people who most need their help. Sometime in mid-March, Sandhya Honiwar from Mumbai visited her psychiatrist, the 67-year-old, who lives alone, thought it would make sense to get a repeat prescription for her antidepressants and anxiety medication ahead of time, given that coronavirus had arrived in India and lockdown was now imminent. For several days afterwards, she went from pharmacy to pharmacy on foot with the prescription, but each time came back empty handed. Some pharmacists said they did not have the drug she was looking for. Others asked for her to return later. Days went by to conserve her existing stash. She started taking half or just a quarter of her usual usual dosage. When lockdown came into effect, she panicked and called a friend on the other side of the city, asking if she could help. The friend had no way to get to her but suggested Hanuwar join a Facebook group called Caremongers India. The group, which now has about 45,000 members, was started by Mahita Nagaraj, a digital marketing professional from Bangalore, in the early days of the pandemic. She got the idea after a few friends living abroad asked her for help checking in with their elderly parents in India. In addition to people offering to help via Facebook post, there is also a helpline and a WhatsApp number. At the beginning of the lockdown, the group was receiving more than 1,000 calls and 2,000 messages each day. That number has steadied now to about 150 to 200 calls each day and about 600 to 800 messages. So far, the Caremongers group, which has Let's Stop Spreading Fear, Let's Spread Love Instead as its mission statement, has fulfilled 16,000 requests since it began. Examples include food and provisions being delivered to the doorsteps of the elderly, And help and support given to women in abusive relationships who have been put in touch with women rights organizations through the group nagaraj said in a recent post that the group also helped members in the usa canada australia muscat dubai ghana singapore nepal zambia and nigeria hanawar's first post was a little hesitant as she says she did not know what to expect she wrote the withdrawal symptoms can be very bad where you have become completely immobilized. You can't think. You can't keep your eyes open. Your brain gets zaps. Can someone please help me?" Within hours of her post, there were 165 comments. Her inbox was flooded with messages offering to help from all over the country. Some suggested to order the medicines online. Some offered to check out stores in their neighborhoods. I was just overwhelmed by the kindness from complete strangers, says Hanawar. Arit Klinj. An ex-garment manufacturer saw her post and called a psychiatrist she knew well. The psychiatrist sent Hanawar a fresh prescription via WhatsApp. Hanawar then sent the prescription to those who offered to get her medicines, including Klinj herself, who lives in a suburb next to Hanawar's. What has prompted people to take risks for complete strangers, I thought. Even I might need help someday. She was alone. I had to help her in any way possible, even though there were moments when I was afraid, standing in line with people around. After a few rounds to pharmacies, I found one which agreed to home delivery," says Clinch. Puja Basu also went to one medical store after another with the prescription. She finally found a hospital which had a strip, but they said they could only give it to the patient. She then took a rickshaw, picked up Hanawar from her house three kilometers away, and went back to the pharmacy. I was scared, of course, because I live with my mother, who is a senior citizen. But it was fine. People are doing so much for others. What I did was really nothing. Last week, Hanawar posted on the group again. This time, she needed a gas lighter. Could anyone tell her where she could buy one? Basu had an extra lighter. She called the same rickshaw driver and asked him if he could pick up the lady who had picked picked up a few weeks before. He agreed right away, and Hanawar was quickly able to get what she needed. Basu says, she kept thanking me, but I told her she could buy me coffee once all this was over. Now again, folks, that's just, you know, the best, that is the, the part of humanity that I love, the best part, you know, people looking out for each other in, in trying times. I've been in situations where, you know, I had an elderly parent and I wasn't in the same country with her, so I can understand all these people being concerned about the parents and loved ones back home. And uh, look, it's just a great article, and I really tip my cap to these people who have been helping each other out in India and all over the world, you know, through this lockdown and quarantine situation and the, uh, you know, the global pandemic. So tip my cap to all of them. I tip my cap to you for keeping it together through all this. It's not been an easy time on anyone. And that today, my friends, was three reasons why the world doesn't suck, or in this case, four reasons. Un gâteau au chocolat, des frités, du poulet, avec un verre de lait bien frais En voici, en voilà, des bons petits plats, des sucrés, des salés, des chauds ou des froids De la soupe au vermicelle, du lougat, des caramels So for those listeners who don't speak French, that's a song all about food. And that's the subject of tonight's main segment. It's about food. I'm going to give you some simple recipes, some things that I enjoy, some, some really good meals that are pretty simple and easy to prepare. And again, I'll give you very, very simple instructions as far as the seasoning and that. And then you'll want to adjust that um, as you see fit. So we're going to start out by talking about a fairly simple dish. Now, this is quite a popular dish in the U.S. For those of you in other countries, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this. So, you know, growing up, my mom used to make this quite a bit, and it's a pretty straightforward, pretty simple dish. And it's called a French dip sandwich. So it's basically a beef sandwich on a like on a baguette or a sub roll, and then you have it with uh, au jus on the side. Uh, like a broth, and you dip it into it. It's quite quite good in the winter. So first off, for this, you know, you're going to need yourself some type of lean roast beef. What I would suggest is either like a top round, London broil, something like that. Uh, Chuck is okay. You don't want anything that's too overly fatty. And then you just want to cook that piece of beef either in the oven, nice and slow, or in a slow cooker crock pot. And um, once it's done, you know, uh, then you just slice it. And the good thing about roast – about French dip sandwiches is it's a good way to use up a a beef roast like that. So traditionally what you'll do is you'll – you know, you'll have your meat sliced. So again, usually uh, you'll have like a cold piece. You just put it on the cutting board, slice it into fairly thin pieces. Oh, about the thickness of a coin. So like about, you know, the thickness of a quarter or a dime, nice and thin. And then uh, on the stove, to make your au jus, you've got a few options. You can either get a au jus packet in the supermarket, like a lot of you will know, that's already got kind of a seasoning, and you just basically mix it in water. Or you can kind of do it from scratch. Now, if I was going to do it from scratch at home, what I would suggest doing is save the drippings from your beef roast and pour those in a pan. And if you need quite a bit, because a lot of times for something like this, you'll you'll really you know need... Uh, more broth than than what you would have from the drippings in the pan. So you can add in some water, and then you can add in some either some beef bouillon powder or some beef stock to you know kind of make enough to go around. And I would suggest personally, if you've got a whole beef roast, let's say you got kind of like a three or four pound roast, you're gonna want a good um, four or five cups at least of broth. Uh, and another thing that I would do, so I would just take that and um, you know kind of slow simmer it for. Uh, at least half an hour, probably an hour is better just to kind of get in the flavor. You can add in a little bit of Worcestershire sauce is a really good ingredient. And again, you know, to taste, uh, a little salt and pepper. Uh, you don't want it to be too salty, but you want you want some saltiness because you're really going to need the saltiness for your bread and for your roast beef. So then, uh, you know, next about the bread. So you can get a good baguette or uh, just some like, steak rolls, we used to call them in the U.S., or, you know, they're basically like um, oversized hot dog buns, and oftentimes you'll find them with sesame seeds on top, something like that. It's quite, quite good. Now, in most restaurants, and when I was growing up, what you would do with this is you would then take this bread, and you would either put margarine or butter on it, and you would just sear it in the skillet so it's nice and crispy. You can also toast it, but, uh, you know, you want that that kind of... Uh, you you want that juxtaposition between the beef and the the crunchiness of this roll. So something like a baguette is quite good because a baguette is crispy and crunchy on the outside, and at the same time, it's got that nice, uh, you know, uh, substantial doughy type middle. So anyway, once you've got your rolls ready, and you know you've heated them or whatever, then basically what you what we used to do in the restaurant is we would just take our cold beef and we would heat it up in that broth. So, you know, you would put um, enough for a couple sandwiches in the broth and it also, what it also does is it allows the beef to have a bit of juice on it that will then soak into the bread before you even start. So then what you do is you pile this into your sandwiches. Uh, You know, again, it depends on you. You don't want it to be too, you know, massive. You can always have more of them. So you're probably talking about three or four ounces something like that so uh, let's see a couple hundred grams or so in each one of these rolls maybe a little more and then what we would do is the roll is oblong you know kind of shaped like a uh, an oval so we would cut it cross corner so that you can dip it into this au jus you can also have it with cheese it's really nice if you would just take these rolls put your meat on them and then put a slice of cheese on each side Bake it in the oven just long enough for that cheese to melt, and then slice it across the grain. And then you want to serve your au jus in like a normal soup bowl. Uh, You can get a smaller container, but whatever it is, just make sure that you've got enough room to dip that sandwich in. Again, this is really nice on a cold winter day, you know, something uh, kind of substantial. In your au jus as well, you know, uh, I forgot to mention, you can add in some like thinly sliced onions to give it some more body and some nice flavor. And again, that's that's a really simple dish, but it's a really good dish. And that's kind of the theme of tonight's uh, dishes. I, I want them all to be something that's fairly simple for you to prepare, uh, nice and easy. Now the next one is another you know, kind of a carnivore dish. And that one is a slow-cooked pork, like shredded barbecue pork. Now, again, this one is very simple. As far as, uh, you know, preparation time and all that, it's simple. It just takes some time. So you start out, you can either get like a pork shoulder or a pork butt. Uh, Oftentimes, um, you know, it doesn't really matter which one you get. going to pick out the size that you want. I would suggest if you're going to make this, usually I'll get something that's at least three, four pounds, maybe five pounds. So two, kind of two, two and a half kilos. And then you just season it you know, with some salt on the outside, maybe some pepper. I've got some garlic seasoning that I use, but that flavoring is really up to you. But you don't want it to be too strong, and I'll explain that shortly. So then you just put it in your crock pot or your slow cooker, and I would leave it on low, and I would cook it at least overnight. So at least you want to give it 8 to 10 hours, um, and you can tell when it's done really because – it will want to, the bone will want to come out of it, will want to separate out of the meat by itself. So what I'll do is once I've got it in the slow cooker, I'll add a little bit of water, not a massive amount, but maybe half a cup or a cup, something like that, just so that it's got something to kind of sit in and uh, it doesn't dry out the meat too much. Now every few hours, I'll spoon some of the liquid up over the meat, and usually I'll start it out by cooking it with the skin side on the top or the fat side on the top so that that fat can drip down. Now, when it's near the end, so maybe when it's got a few hours to go, then I'll turn it over. But the majority of the time, I really want that fat cap on the top so that the flavor can soak into the the pork meat itself. So once you've determined that it's done and you can tell that that bone is about to come out, and again, this usually anywhere kind of 8 to 12 hours, you're sorted. Uh, What I then personally do is I'll pull it out of the slow cooker, leave the slow cooker on, leave it on low, and pull your pork butt or your pork shoulder, whatever pork roast you've got, pull it out and just put it on like a wooden cutting board. And you want to let it cool down. So, you know, you want to give it 15, 20 minutes to cool down so you don't burn yourself. Now, personally, what I do is then I'll debone the roast. So I'll pull the bones out. I'll, you know, pull off any meat off the bones that I can. At this at this point, it should be a pretty straightforward concept because the bone should pretty much come out of the, the pork roast by itself You should be able to peel that meat right off. If it's not, leave it in for longer. Now, once that's all done, you can shred the meat up a few ways. Now, what I personally do is I will cut that fat cap or that skin cap up with a knife into pieces, and I'll mix it in. But what I tend to do is just get a large knife, like a uh, French knife, something like that, about that size, and I'll just cut the meat up into, you know, fairly decent-sized chunks, so, you know, maybe an inch or so wide, just into chunks like that. And then I'll pile it all back into the slow cooker because it's eventually it's gonna just shred right up. So you know it's still got some more time in the slow cooker. Now once it's been added in, you've got a few options here, okay? This is where we kinda take our divergent pass. And this is where you'll understand what I was saying about not strongly flavoring it too much. Now the first way that you can do it, and traditionally one of the ways that I really like it, and this is an American thing, uh, of course, you can have it with barbecue sauce. Now, if I do it with barbecue sauce, what I'll do is I'll add in a little bit of liquid smoke, so maybe half a capful or so, something to add that nice smoky flavor into the meat. And then I'll put in, you know, usually one to two bottles of your favorite barbecue sauce. So for me, uh, something like Sweet Baby Ray's, Casey Masterpiece, Stubbs, any of those are really good. Uh, Chris and Pitt's, you can buy Chris and Pitt's barbecue sauce. And, uh, you know, then I'll mix it in. And you want to leave it cook at least a good hour to kind of get those flavors through. Now, at this point, I'll usually turn it up to high. But you do want to check on it and you do want to stir it. Because if you leave it for, you know, too long in that slow cooker with the heat, the barbecue sauce will burn around the edges. Now, once it's had that time in there, you know, I'll mix it. I'll just keep kind of mixing it all together. If it's too watery, you've got two options. You can take the lid off the slow cooker for a while which isn't ideal because what will happen is, although you're letting some of the water evaporate, you're also letting the heat out. So the other way you can do it is you can just take some cornstarch or some uh, corn powder, mix it with a little bit of water and use that to thicken it up. But again, you don't wanna do that too early on. You wanna do that near the end or else it's gonna turn into a gloppy mess. Now once this is done and once you've tasted it, you know, you might need a bit more salt, a bit more pepper, a bit more barbecue sauce, whatever it is. Now, once it's, had, once it's done, what I like to do is uh, I'll serve this on like brown rice or white rice. It's very good that way. You can eat it on a sandwich. Like, you know, in the Midwest, we used to have barbecue sandwiches. So you can just get a hamburger bun and, again, crisp up that hamburger bun and just serve it on it like that. You can have it like that. Uh, you can just eat it straight. But it's really good bang for your buck. Oftentimes, pork roast, even here in New Zealand, where meat is quite expensive, pork ro- roasts are pretty inexpensive most of the time. So uh, you know that's one way to have it. The other way, like I say, that traditionally I'll have it. That's very good as well. Is I won't let it completely shred out. But you know, uh, once I've cut it into those chunks, then I'll put in something like some uh, maybe some beef broth or chicken broth, and uh, you know a bit more salt and pepper. You can add some gravy powder or gravy packet if you would like. But basically, uh, it's very similar to the barbecue style, but basically uh, pork roast with gravy, you know, all mixed together. So again, you can shred it up if you want, but generally I leave it in kind of these semi-small chunks. You can put in some mushrooms if you like mushrooms. You can put in onion. Again, you know, you be the judge. You put in what you like, a little bit more salt and pepper. Now, how I like that traditionally is on mashed potatoes and gravy, Uh, you know, sorry, on mashed potatoes because you've already got the gravy in with the pork. Now, again, I get that this isn't probably the healthiest meal, but especially in winter, if you want a one piece, you know, one pot item, this this is a great way to have it. You can do it in the oven, of course, but what I find with the slow cooker with the crock pot is you cook it in there and it's pretty much foolproof as long as you don't cook it, say, you know, 20 hours. It just, you know, you've got that margin of error, so you've got some time. If you don't rush in there to check on it every 10 minutes, an extra half an hour, an hour in the slow cooker is not going to cause any harm. So, again, that's just a fairly simple thing. It's one of those things, especially if you're working in the day, you don't have a lot of time. uh, This is a great way to do it, you know. It's really good stuff. Now the next dish is something a little bit different, and you know I know that more and more there are a lot of people out there that are kind of following a vegetarian or a plant-based you know uh, diet. So this one's a vegetarian dish we used to make at the restaurant, and you know it's called caponata. Now there are lots of ways to make caponata, but I'm going to tell you the way that we used to do it. So for caponata, you're going to need a at least one zucchini. So, you know, you want a zucchini or a courgette, something that's, you know, you want at least uh, a pound, so a pound or half a kilo. Uh, You're going to need onion, so probably at least one whole onion. You're going to need some capsicums or some bell peppers, so, you know, you'll want three or four of those. You'll want some black olives, so, you know, probably half a can or a small, you know, uh, four ounces, five ounces, something like that will do. Uh, Let's see, what else do we need here? Garlic. You'll need garlic, so you peel your garlic and just mince it up. Cut it up into little pieces. Uh, Let's see what else. Uh, Eggplant or aubergine. So probably one eggplant will do you. Uh, So you want to peel it, uh, cut it into small chunks. And let's see. Pardon me, folks. You just got to remember this. It's been like 25 years since I worked there, and all of these recipes are in my head. Uh, from the restaurant so you know just bear with me Uh, the other thing you'll need is you'll need some oil or you know butter but I would probably suggest oil to cook it in some vegetable oil or uh, olive oil and then you'll also need some tomato sauce so we used to use the tomato sauce from the restaurant but you can just get a jar of uh, like pasta sauce is fine so you start out you know you brown your garlic and onions Uh, that's kind of you know your, your general start in your olive oil and then you want to add in the vegetables that take the longest time to cook. So, you know, probably in this case, you know, you want to put in your zucchini. You want to put in your eggplant. And then, uh, as it, you know, as, as it cooks down a little bit, then you'll throw in your courgettes. Uh, you season it with salt and pepper, you know, just, just keep the old taste of meter going. And, you know, the olives you put in last because they're already cooked, obviously, black olives. Uh, But, you know, you you just cook it down and you'll see it all kind of wilt down. Uh, And again, having these nice chunks will help keep the texture, you know, well. So you want chunks about the size of a sugar cube. Uh, For those of you who don't know how big that is, you know, probably an inch to two inches square each piece. Uh, This is a pretty straightforward recipe and it cooks pretty fast. Now we used to add uh, parsley at the end, but you don't need to add parsley if you don't want to. You can add some basil and oregano but again you don't need to the whole the whole point of this dish is you're getting the flavor of the vegetables. So then at the end you know uh, we would add in uh, a big spoon of or a big ladle full of tomato sauce so you know you're probably talking about four ounces something like that in that range. Again the whole point is here you don't want to make a soup you just want to make it uh, you know have a little bit of uh, you know uh, body to it, a little bit of sauce. So it, it helps everything kind of cling together, kind of mix together. But you want it to be kind of like a gravy. You don't want it to be watery. Now, we would serve caponata on pasta. Now, you can have it on pasta if you want. You could have it on bread. You could just eat it like it is. Uh, sorry, one last thing that you need and that you want to add at the end is capers. So, you know, we would put in a handful of capers. So, again, you know, you're probably talking 20, 30 capers, something like that. But it just adds that really nice flavor and that little bit of distinction to to your meal. So that's uh, Italian caponata, at least the way that we used to make it. Pretty straightforward, uh, as I'm sure you can tell. Okay, now I've got two last recipes here for you. And these are a bit better for you, uh, those of you who are in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, dealing with these warm temperatures uh, in the summer. And they're, they're nice and simple, nice, easy recipes to follow. So the first one is uh, what we used to call a chef salad growing up. So for this, you know, you're going to need a head of lettuce. So iceberg lettuce is a traditional. Uh, probably want two to three tomatoes. You'll want some hard-boiled eggs. So you're probably going, depending on how many people you want, you'll want two hard-boiled eggs at least per salad. So if you got four people, you know, you'll need to do eight hard-boiled eggs. You'll need some cold cuts, so you can use turkey, you can use ham, you can use roast beef. Traditionally, it's turkey and ham as in a chef salad. Uh, you can do grated carrot if you like grated carrot. You can also have onion in your salad if you want onion. Uh, you can have cucumber, any vegetables you want. Again, a lot of these recipes, they're just very adaptable, and you do you, you do it the way you want. And then you're gonna need a good salad dressing. Now for me, being in a you know an American at heart, and uh, I know it's not the best thing for you, but uh, I personally like uh, ranch dressing. Uh, blue cheese is also good, but again, whatever you personally like. Now, a few other things that I also like in my chef salad is uh, I definitely like some celery to give it that nice bite. And then also, uh, along with the celery, some black olives as well. I just like black olives in it. Any croutons, you know, I like croutons. So you you get your head of uh, iceberg lettuce. Uh, You can use other lettuces if you like, you know, whatever's handy. But iceberg lettuce is nice and crispy for something like this. Now, generally what I tend to do is part of this you'll kind of mix as your kind of central bowl. And then as you dish it up for the individuals, you'll add the other flourishes. So we'll start out, you know, with the central bowl. So you take that head of iceberg lettuce. Now, a lot of people may not realize, but um, again, I forget sometimes some of these things that you just learned in the kitchen, and you don't necessarily realize that not everyone knows. So when you cut lettuce, it gets that rusty edge to it, as we all know. Now, it still will if you tear it, but not nearly as fast and not nearly as bad. So what you want to do is tear the lettuce with your hands if you can. Just rip it up into bite-sized chunks. Rinse it. Put it in a large bowl. Make sure you drain it out so that you don't have a big pool of water at the bottom. Uh, Now, at this level, at this stage, I'll generally tend to add in my celery as well uh, into the whole salad. You can also add in things like uh, radishes. If you like radishes, you can mix it in through the whole salad. You could throw your shredded uh, carrots in here as well. Then to prep for the individual bowls, You take your hard-boiled eggs, and what I do is I quarter them, so I'll cut them in halves and quarters. Some people like them in halves just because of the uh, display purposes, but for me, I like them quartered because they're easier to eat. Generally, I won't eat a half an egg at once uh, in a salad. Uh, Deviled eggs, different thing, of course, but uh, in this case, I just quarter them up. So I get my hard-boiled eggs. I'll quarter those up. Uh, Put them inside in the fridge if you like. Then take your uh, cold cuts. Cut them. I I tend to cut them into strips. So you know, if you've got your turkey or whatever, I'll just cut it into long strips. Turkey and ham, roast beef, whatever you want to do. Uh, black olives, like I say, I'll just have those ready by the side. And then what I do is I'll take large bowls. So you know, like a very large soup bowl or something like that, because again, with a salad, you need to eat quite a bit in comparison to some other foods. So a good big helping of your iceberg lettuce in the middle of the bowl. Then personally, what I do is I like to take the tomatoes and cut them into, let's say, you know, quarters again, quarters or eighths, And I'll just put them around the edge of the bowl. But you can mix them in as you like. And then again, the eggs around the corner of the bowl. And then I'll take my carrots. I'll have my shredded carrots and I'll just kind of sprinkle them over the middle along with my croutons. And then uh, the last step is I'll put my, my meat. And again, you can mix it around the edges or you can put it over the middle. It's really whatever suits you. Then I'll put on my black olives and then you're basically ready for serving. So then I'll you know, put it out in front of everyone, let them put their dressing on, mix it up, really good thing and like I say, something that's nice and cold. You don't have to deal with the heat of cooking in the kitchen aside from the eggs. But again, you can boil the eggs ahead of time. You, know, you can have them ready a day or two, whatever suits you. And again, this is really simple. For those of you who are vegetarian, of course, uh, you can just leave out the um, just leave out the meat. You know, you can have it with whatever you like. Uh, now, sorry, I forgot one other thing. Uh, being Americans, you know, we, we we don't worry too much about the the uh, about the calories. Shredded cheese. So I like really finely shredded cheese. So like you know what you'd call like looks like strings that fine, and I'll just sprinkle some over the salad. And again, I tend to mix it all together and eat it. Um, again, just the, the major thing with this recipe. The the hardest thing, you know, that you don't want to have happen is a bunch of water in the bottom of people's bowls. Because then when they go to mix it up with their dressings and that, it's like they're eating a soup, not a salad. So that's a chef salad, you know, that's a traditional chef salad. Again, very simple, very popular in cafes over the years because it's so easy to make and a lot of times you're using leftover ingredients. Uh, And again, you know, you can substitute uh, whatever you like in there, Uh, mess around with your salad dressings, mess around with your meat and vegetable options, whatever floats your boat. I mean, that's the reality of this. All of these recipes are meant to be very simple, adaptable. You do you, you do whatever works. You could use shredded chicken if you wanted to. You could use some of those leftover roasts. Again, you know, you could have, uh, you know, Vegetarian substitute meat if you wanted to, you know, like, uh, you know, that corn meat and those different kinds, if that's what you wanted, whatever, whatever you want, keep it simple. Again, on the real hot days of summer, something like this, I very much enjoy having. So the last one, uh, and this is a bit of a speciality of mine. So this one will be a bit more in depth just because, you know, I grew up having it a certain way. And then I myself, uh, kind of added my own flourishes the way that I like it and that is a pasta salad now for this I'll be a bit more specific in what you need again it's up to you but this just gives you a much better idea so you know you're going to need at least uh, again when I make this I don't piddle around making a small amount there's no point because there is a bit of work involved so I tend to make a big bowl of pasta salad and then eat it for a while So you're going to need a few pounds of pasta, so two pounds roughly, uh, which is about a kilo. You can use more. You can double it. You can triple it. Do whatever you want. Now, I tend to like a good mix of pastas because I like a bit of variety in there. So I'll get some spirals a lot of times, elbow macaroni, bow ties, whatever it is. You can get those those different colored pastas. Those are quite nice because it adds a bit of color along with the flavor. Uh, And I'll discuss the cooking time and all that uh, a little bit different. For for now, I'll just give you all the ingredients you need. Now, I like some feta cheese in mine. So, feta cheese, you know, up to you. But I just like the consistency that it adds in. For this, you'll definitely want all of the typical Italian uh, um, flavors. So, you want some dried basil, some dried oregano, uh, lots of fresh garlic. So, when I say lots... For this much, you'll want four or five cloves at least because the garlic's going to really infuse through, add that good flavor. You're going to need quite a bit of olive oil. So you're going to need at least 500 mils or, uh, you know, a a good-sized bottle of olive oil. And then you're going to need uh, vinegar. So that's the traditional, you know, sweet and sour type, you know, idea here. Well, not sweet and sour, sorry, but the contrast with the oil and the vinegar. So uh, I use red wine and white wine vinegar, but you know you can do you, you can use what you want. But I just like that extra level of flavors that those red and white wine vinegars add into the pasta salad. Then you're also going to need black olives if you like black olives. Artichoke hearts are quite nice as well. You can have those in there if you like them. I really like marinated artichoke hearts, so I add them when I can afford them or when I've got them around. Uh, Parmesan cheese is, is nice, Parmesan or Romano cheese grated. Uh, but again, you don't have to add any of these things. Salt and pepper, uh, of course. So first off, you know you want to cook your pasta. And you're going to the, – the main thing you need to be aware of here, folks, is look at the different pastas you've got and look at the cooking times. So let's say one pasta says 10 minutes and one says 12 minutes. You're going to want to add the one that takes 12 minutes in first if you can because – you don't. What you don't want to do is have this completely falling apart and at the same time have soggy uh, pasta that's gone to bits and some of it be quite chewy. Um, sorry, one other thing that you definitely need, I personally like anyway, is tomatoes. Lots of fresh tomatoes. So for a bowl of pasta like this, pasta salad, I will usually use at least four or five tomatoes. But the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. It adds that nice bite that nice uh, citric flavor, you know, that nice tomato flavor in with it. So anyway, you know, you cook your pasta. Now, I drain my pasta. I'll cool it. I'll set it to the side. And traditionally, I'll put the pasta in whatever bowl I'm going to mix everything into at the end. So once the pasta's cooled and it's done its thing, now what I'll do is I'll put in, again, I'll put in my olive oil, and I'll put in my garlic, and I'll put in my um, vinegar. So my red wine, white wine, vinegar, I'll mix this all in now with the salt and pepper, the basil, and the oregano. Now, I'll then let it sit for a while. Now, like a lot of things, uh, it takes patience. So if you want this to have a really good flavor, I'll let it sit at least four or five hours. Uh, At this point, you know, you can add it all in if you want. But for me, I just don't like things getting too soggy or too kind of congealed altogether. So generally what I do is I'll add in these, uh, you know, all these ingredients. Let it sit in the fridge four or five hours. Really get those flavors in. You want that crushed garlic or chopped garlic in there to make sure that it gets a chance to infuse its flavors. Don't forget the garlic at this point. Now, once it's had its time sitting in there and it's had its resting time, I'll pull it back out. This is when I'll mix in my black olives. I'll put in my tomatoes. Again, you can put them in there earlier if you want. Uh, And... This is also where I'll add in my feta cheese, some grated cheese as well if you like, and just give it a good mix-up. Now you can also, if you really want to be, you know, a bit decadent, again, you can add in some salami or some kind of, you know, like Italian cold cut, something like that. I find salami is quite good for something like this. It goes well. And again, just taste it, you know. Add more salt and pepper as needed. A lot of times you'll find with something like this the pasta is gonna need a large amount of salt. So once that's all kind of done, uh, now if you want to take it over the top and you really want to make it something different, but I do enjoy it, but I do, again, I fully realize this is not the best for your waist. So I'll have my nice bowl of pasta salad. And what I'll do sometimes if I just want to kick it up another notch, another bit of flavor combination, I'll mix in some ranch dressing or I'll mix in some blue cheese dressing. Homemade blue cheese is the best. And again, you just throw it in there, you get that nice garlic hit from the pasta salad, and it just makes it that extra bit creamy, that extra bit flavorful. Now, your pasta salad, as I was saying before, one thing you want to do, keep an eye on it uh, after it's gone in the fridge and come out. A lot of times, it's soaked up the oil and the vinegar, so you might need to add in some more. Again, just keep an eye on it. You don't want it to be a soup, but you don't want it super dry. Because again, for those of you that know... Eating dry carbohydrates, it, you know, it's it, it's really it's not really as nice as having something that's uh, got the nice flavors through. So I don't like it swimming in you know vinegar and oil, but at the same time I I, I don't like it to be really dry and and uh, kind of sparse. So I'd like to keep that nice middle mix in there. Uh, and like I say, you know, you can keep this in the fridge a few days or a week. It just gets better the longer it sits and all the flavors mingle. Ah, oh, it's making me hungry right now, actually. Oh, and sorry, folks, I do apologize for these things. Often the thought comes to me after I've already told you everything. So the other thing that you can add in and that I add in, again, this has evolved over the years, so as time has gone on, I've found other things I like. You can throw in a can or two of uh, mixed beans, like four bean mix. Uh, you can also throw in just some straight cannelloni beans or some garbanzo or chickpeas. I like that as well. It just adds that extra bit of body, extra bit of bite, and again, if you're a vegetarian and you don't want to have any of the meats, you can throw in the beans instead. It's a quite nice flavor. So when summer rolls around this year, I'll definitely be making a, a nice big bowl of uh, pasta salad. I didn't make any last year, and I really like it. It's a traditional dish I like to have around Christmas and that. My mom used to make it when I was a kid. Uh, I do my own, you know, spin on it, but um, it brings back a lot of memories and it's really good stuff. Now, folks, I hope that you've enjoyed these recipes. Again try and keep it simple. If you've got any specific questions, anything you want to know about this, how do you make it? Uh, John, uh, you know, it didn't come out quite the way that you said. What do you do? Can you give me some pointers? Feel free to shoot me an email. So you can email me at podcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website. You can find me on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. By now, folks, you know where to find me. Aside from that, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I hope that you have a great weekend and uh, I'll be going away for a bit of a day trip, as I say, so I'll try and get some photos of that taken and up on Instagram. I'm not sure what the next episode of the show will be right now, folks. I do apologize. It's just, you know, it's a bit busy. Things are a bit in flux, and winter is not the best time to try and have everything planned out, you know. Oftentimes you wake up, the weather isn't the best, and, uh, you know, you just kind of get through your day, really. So aside from that, uh, as I say, I hope you all have a great positive week. Uh, If you need anything from me, just drop me a note. Aside from that, folks, take care, know that I love you, and I'll talk to you soon.